Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Lackadar Podcast. We are very glad you decided to join us today. Our hope here at Lackadar is that we are more than a podcast, not because of us, but because of God, and that we strive to bring glory to Him because that's the only place where glory is deserved, and that the listeners either come to know Christ if they don't, or built up in their walk with Christ. With that being said, of course, Lackadar does not need to be a substitute for your church body. We pray that you're plugged into a church body and are not letting Lackadar be a substitute for that. But hopefully, Lackadar is helping you in your daily walk. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on our social media pages, which are in the episode description. We hope you enjoy the episode and God uses it. Alright, so before we go any further into our word today, which happens to be justification, we will go ahead and say a word of prayer. Dear Lord, I I thank you for this day, and I thank you for allowing me to be able to do this, God, and I thank you for so much that you've given to us, God, for this platform you've given me, God, and for the many listeners we have, God. God, it might not be as most as much as other podcasts, God, but God, you've given me the platform of people you want to listen to this podcast, and I thank you for that, God, and I just thank you for each and every one of these listeners and their willingness and their support, God, and just thank you for that, and just please help us to grow in our <clears throat> grow in our knowledge of you, God, and then as always, it would not be my words, but your words, God. And then if someone has stumbled upon this, that they don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that they would come to, God. And God, just please help us to always be examples for you, whatever we do. Help us to grow in love for you and love for each other. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Okay, so today's word is justification. And as always, we're going to go ahead and read my definition first, or kind of how I would describe it. And it's real short. Being made right with God is how I would describe justification. The biblical dictionary had a lot to say about justification. Normally it has just a little paragraph, maybe three or four paragraphs at most. This had a little bit on one page and then some on another page. Like a good bit on one page and then a little bit on another. So a good bit that it had on justification. And... The first sentence of the definition of justification, it says, The establishment by God of a new relationship with mankind. So, kind of what I said, but the establishment by God of a new relationship with mankind. So we're establishing a new relationship, justification is. But there used to be a problem with this word, justification. There's two different groups of people back in what was called the Protestant Reformation. These two groups are still alive and well today. 
They're the Protestants, which, if I had to guess, I would say most listeners happen to be Protestant. If you're not Catholic, you're Protestant. And the Protestants believed that Christ declared us righteous. And by the way I understand that, what by the way the Biblical Dictionary described it and the way I understand what I've read about it, is they believe that God gave us the ability to be righteous when we're justified. When, we became just, when He justified us, He gave us, gave us the ability to be righteous. Then on the other hand, the Catholics believe that He made them righteous. Right there. That they were made righteous, they did righteous things. But now... It's come to mean something a little bit different that's kind of similar to what the Protestants believe, but it's not really exactly like it. So, whether you believe what the Protestants believes of that God gave a, gives us the ability to be to be righteous or he makes us righteous automatically, we kind of talked about that last week and we're going to get to that here in just a second. But now it means that the, it's a new relationship. Not an all of a sudden character or action change. That would be sanctification, like we talked about last week. When our actions, when God gives us the ability to make our actions start changing us into a new person. That's sanctification. So, justification is the, the starting of the new relationship with Christ. We cannot justify ourselves. We can't sanctify ourselves. We can do the actions to bring sanctification, but they only come through the Holy Spirit. But we cannot by any means justify ourselves. It's beyond what we can do. We are, however, a new creation in Christ. And you might be wondering why I mentioned this verse. You will see here in just a few moments. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, or new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So as I said, you cannot justify yourselves. This justification is not a works-based thing by any means. So we're going to read one of the biggest passages about justification. And when you look up anything about justification, this is typically a passage you'll see. It's found in Romans 3, verses 20 through 26. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So through the law comes knowledge of sin. What that means is, when we read the law, we see that we're sinful. It doesn't... It does help us to do good things when we do the law, but the main thing when you read the law, if you don't see your sin... I'll just give you a little quiz here. Have you ever lied? Have you ever um, taken God's name in vain? Have you ever stolen anything? And maybe it doesn't even have to be a big thing like stolen anything from Walmart. It can be stolen something from a sibling or a friend when you were a young child. Have Jesus says that if you've ever had anger towards someone in your heart, you've killed them. So there's murder. Jesus also says along that same line, if you've ever lusted over someone, you have committed adultery with them in your heart. So right there, I'm sure you've dishonored your parents. I know I have done all of these things. So by what we've just figured out in less than 30 seconds, well, maybe a little more than 30 seconds, we are sinners and the law pointed that out. So we cannot uphold the law. 
If we were told to uphold the law, we would have to uphold every letter of the law. And we'll get right back to that after we finish the Strongman's 3 passage. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So, the, 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 the grace of God has been manifested apart. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So, Jesus' law has nothing to... Jesus' righteousness has nothing to do with the law. But, however, it says this, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The law points to Jesus. The prophets, Isaiah, all those, they point to Jesus. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there's no distinction. So there's no distinction. Jew or Gentile, anyone can believe. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption in Christ Jesus. That was verse 24. And justified by His grace as a gift. It's a gift. Justification, starting this new relationship with Christ, is a gift. Through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. It can only come through Christ Jesus. That's it. Through Jesus coming, dying on the cross, and raising from the dead is the only way that justification can come. You can't do it. I can't do it. We can't We can't do it on our own. Verse 25. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Go back to propitiation episode. If you would like to know more about that. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Because in his div- divine forbearance, he passed over former sins. He didn't forget about the former sins. But he knew that there was something coming that cleansed those former sins. If it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So, you might ask yourself, be asking yourself, um, now I was going to read this verse a little bit later, that's why I kind of, and I, but now I'm going to read it now, sorry. Um, you might be asking yourself, how is that last verse true? It was to show the righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier at, at, of the one who has faith in Jesus. How is it just? How is it right? How is it okay that my sins are just looked over and I'm justified? I'm a new creation. Well, I would say your sins are not necessarily looked over. <clears throat> they were dealt with on the cross. First Peter 3.18 says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteousness of the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. We're not, it was not free. Our justification was not free. It's free to us, yes. Our sins are wiped away when we put our faith and trust in him and make him our Lord. They're wiped away. But Jesus died on the cross for that. So yes, he is just. And he is the justifier of our sins. The only way we can be just. It's not through the law. It's not through anything else. It's through Jesus Christ. If it was through the law, there would be no need in Jesus. And as we see, Jesus is the one who justifies us. We see this again in Romans 4.25. When speaking of Jesus, it says, Who has delivered up for our trespass, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. He died for our sins, but he's raised from the dead for our justification. Because if he's not raised from the dead, the death means nothing. He's no different than you and I if he doesn't raise from the dead. 
So it's not a workspace, because if it was a workspace, we'd have to, two things would have to be true. We would have to uphold every single letter of all 613 laws. We would have to then uphold, then there would be no need for Jesus. So if you only upheld, say you lived to be 75, and you, you upheld 612 laws, but one day when you were 7 years old, you stole a piece of candy. And that's the only sin you ever broke. You would die and go to hell because you didn't uphold every letter of the law. And there'd be no Jesus because everybody else could hold up every letter of the law. Or maybe they couldn't. I don't know. But if there's no Jesus, if we somehow have to depend, to depend on our on the law, then we have to depend on every letter of the law and get it all right to go to heaven. And there'd be no need for Jesus. And Jesus is the one that justifies us. So we also see that the, what makes this justification cool is it's offered to everyone because everyone is judged. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. This is um, sorry, Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So it's offered to all. We see in 3.23, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So it's all, all unrighteousness, the unrighteousness of the Jews, the unrighteousness of the Gentiles, the unrighteousness of the good person, or the quote-unquote good person, the unrighteousness of the bad person. It's for everyone. We also see when talking about judgment in Romans 2, it says in, 2, in Romans 2.11, for God shows no partiality. God's not partial to anyone. He's going to show judgment. He's going to... Put his judgment out, send the saved to heaven, and send the unsaved to hell. That's just how it is. But so, in the same way that just in the same way that we've sinned, all justification is offered to all. And you say, well, since the law doesn't matter, does that mean we're not still under the law? And I would say yes and no because we see that. In Galatians 6.15, Paul says this, For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. So when we are that new creation, like we talked about earlier, when we're in Christ, it doesn't matter if we've been circumcised or uncircumcised. The things of the law don't matter because we're under grace. Now, of course, that is a ceremonial or a it's one of those laws that separates Israel from everyone else. Circumcision was. So does that mean? And yes, we're no longer under the law. We're under grace. So that is freedom from having to uphold every letter of the law. But does that then mean we can go do whatever we want to do? By no means. Paul says that himself. Romans 3, 5 through 8. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us. He puts this in parentheses. I speak in a human way. By no means. For then, how could God judge the world? But if through my life, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? Then he puts a little dash. As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. So basically what he's saying there is there's there was a 
there were people at this time say, well, if we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace, let's just do bad things so God's grace can abound even more. Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Then we see again in Romans 6, 1 and 2, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in that grace, in that in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in sin? So yes, we're not under the law. We're under freedom. But how in the world can we who have a new relationship with Christ, who've died from our former ways, who are a new creation, who have been justified, how then can we go back and do the things we used to do? We can't. We cannot by any means go back and do those things we used to do because they're not in us anymore. Well, they are in us because we're still a human. And we're, yeah, we're 100% completely free to go back and do those sins. But why would we? It doesn't point to real, it doesn't point to the goodness of God. When we have sinned and then we go from living a completely different life, that points to the goodness of God more so than anything. So don't, once you've been justified, don't go back and do those sins. A justification is a one time deal. It's like your salvation. It's not, it's, we are being made in a right relationship with God. That's what justification is. We're being made in a right relationship with God. It's not like sanctification where it's a process or repentance where it's a daily decision. Justification, when you've been justified, it's once and for all. You're being made to a right relationship with God. So, the things that come from this justification. Since, we, since we've said what we don't do, we don't not uphold the law, we uphold the law. There's a few things that come out of this justification. Fruits of the Spirit. When we've been saved, and we've been justified with Christ, when we've been raised together to become a new creation with Him, these come. Galatians 5, 22-24, called the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. When we become justified, when we become saved, we're no longer living in the way of the world. We're producing these things. We're producing love. We're producing joy. We're producing peace. We're producing patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous, and self-control. And it's not us. It's Jesus in us producing these things. It's the Holy Spirit within us producing these things. Because we couldn't do them on our own. By no means could we do them on our own. Quite possibly one of the well, not quite possibly. One of the best things that comes from this salvation or this justification is found in Romans 5, verses 15 through 17. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if, for if many died through one man's trespasses, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And the free gift of God is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one, 
One man's trespass has brought condemnation, but the, this is the wrong chapter. This is for later. This is supposed to be Romans 8. I am so sorry. That was Romans 5. This is supposed to be Romans 8, 15 through 17. We read something from Romans 5 in a minute. Oh, I'm so sorry about that. I was wondering. For you, this is Romans 8, 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with one spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. Where do I even begin? We are adopted sons of God. Sons or daughters of God. You hear people say, I'm a child. Everybody's a child of God. Everybody's a child of God. No, they're not. You are not a child of God until you've been justified and saved in Him. Then you're adopted as a son of God or a daughter of God. And a cool thing about that is in that day, when you were adopt when someone adopted someone, they couldn't just kick that kid to the curb. Whereas you could disown one of your biological kids, you could not disown an adopted son because you chose that son or that daughter. So Jesus has adopted us and he can't throw us to the curve now. He won't throw us to the curve now. He could if he wanted to, but he doesn't want to. So that's the imagery we have here of an adopted son where we're not going to be thrown to the curve. But not only are we adopted sons, we're co-heirs with Christ. We're going to inherit heaven one day. We're going to heaven when we die. We also see another blessing we have from this. And it's found in James 2.23. And this is an amazing thing that I feel like we way too often overlook. It says this. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. We are friends of God. I had that song in my head, I'm a friend of God. I don't know if you ever heard that song. It's a real good song. But you should definitely look it up after this. I am a friend of God. But we are friends of God. And we take that relationship for granted so often. We don't consider ourselves friends of God. Now there's a whole debate on reverence versus intimacy with God. And you have to have both. You can't have too much of one or the other. Because if you're too reverent with God and you're not intimate with Him, then you're missing the beauty of God. But if you're too intimate with Him and not reverent with Him, you're missing the beauty of God there too. It's a perfect picture of a holy God. It really is. So justification for our sins is a one-time deal. It comes through one man. His name is Jesus. And sorry, I was reading something. Okay, that's it. Sorry about that. I had the wrong verse, and I was I was reading it, and I was so confused about what I was reading. But anyway, there's one verse that kind of sums all of this up, and it's found in Romans five eighteen. Therefore, as one trespass, one sin, led to the condemnation for all men. So one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all men. You might be asking yourself, what does that mean? So Adam's sin 
Yes, Eve ate the fruit. Adam was there, supposed to be keeping the garden. So they both sinned. This first is the sin of Adam. So not letting Eve off the hook by any means, but so the, the the sin from one man led to the condemnation of the whole world. But so the act of one righteousness, so that for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to the justification and life for all men. So the for Jesus, he leads to justification and salvation for all mankind. Simply does, and. That's amazing to me. That the same way sin entered the world through one man, justification entered the world through one man. So, if you've not been justified, we're going to pray here in a minute. I've done this before, but I'm going to and I'm not saying that a sinner's prayer saves by no means. And I'm actually not going to do what I've done before. But I'm going to say, if you do if you do not believe and you would like to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from your dead, if you'd like to be justified from your sins, then you must believe that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, and rose from the dead for your sins. You must make Him the Lord of your life. Because without the crucifixion and the resurrection, he's just another man. And he has no right to be the Lord of your life. But since he died and rose from the dead, he has a perfect right to be your Lord. Making your Lord. Pray, say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done wrong, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. And then tell someone. And start living for him today. So, and if you have been justified, you've been saved for a long time, then don't go back to the old sins. Keep going like you're going. Unless you are living in those old sins, then don't keep going like you're going. Go back to Jesus. With that being said, I'm going to pray and then we're going to move into closing thoughts. Also, in closing, one thing that I feel like I didn't make clear and I would be doing a disservice to you guys and anyone listening that might want to get saved if I don't say this is doing a little bit more studying after that I should have done before I feel like this is also, this is true. And it's something that I personally believe. And I know that I know that it's Christian doctrine and you will believe it as well if you are a believer. Justification does not come until after salvation. I know I kept saying saved and then justified, but I never really pointed this out. When you've been saved, when you've recognized Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you are justified. Then you have that right relationship with Jesus Christ. So you have to, it's nothing, the only thing you've done is you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've done nothing to deserve it still. But justification comes after you have been saved. It's the only way one can ever be made just. Because it's a new relationship with Christ, justification. So it goes, from the words we've done, it goes salvation, justification, sanctification. And I should have done them in that order. But this is something I'm coming back and recording a few minutes after stopped after I stopped recording the first time. So once you've been saved, once you've made the Lord Jesus, once you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're justified. You have a new relationship with him. He justifies you. So I just wanted to make that clear. So, the things we talked about, yes, they come after justification. The co-heirs with Christ, friends of Christ, fruits of the Spirit, they come after justification. But justification comes after salvation. I just wanted to come back and make that clear. And yeah, 
So I'm sorry that I didn't make that clear the first time, but I feel like this is something that definitely needs to be added to be made more clear. So thank you. Thank you for always putting up with me when I do things like this. And yeah, so then this will transition into closing thoughts and the final prayer in between. So yeah, thank you. All right. We're going to go ahead and pray now because I don't know when 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 exactly this will be sliced in. But yeah, so salvation comes fresh and then you are justified from Christ. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day and I thank you for everything you've given us, God. And I thank you for justifying us, God, and for sending Jesus to die on the cross and raise us from the dead because that's the only way we could ever live. And God, just please help us to be the men and the women you want us to be through everything we do, God, everything we say, every time our mouth opens, every time our feet walk out the door of our house, the door of our church, that we can honor you, God. Even while we're in the church and while we're in our house, God, we could honor you. Help us to love you more every day, love each other more, and just take this part, not go back to our old sins, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for not making us have to uphold every letter of the law. Thank you for grace, God. And just please help us to love you more and love each other more. Help us in the remaining minutes of closing thoughts. We could glorify you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Alright, so, this morning in my quiet time, I read verse in Exodus 13, verse 8, and it kind of struck me. It says this, you shall tell your son on that day, it is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And you might say, that's a strange verse, and I'll say yes it is, but let me build a little context for you. Israel has just gotten out of Egypt, and they're talking about uh, Passover and the Unleavened Bread Festival and all that stuff. Talking about festivals and how they're going to observe the things of the Lord. In other places, I think specifically of Joshua 4 and Exodus 12, when they're told to tell their kids something, it's they're not told to tell them that I, they're not told to put it in first person with me, or that's not, they're not told to make it personal to themselves with me and I. They're told to make it as a group. We, Israel, our people. So I found it interesting that God tells them this time to put it personally. And I feel like this is something we do a lot better than they did. We put things personally. We say, God did this for me. God did this for me. God did this for me. But we miss the element of community that they had where it's God did this for us. And yes, God did it for us. God does things for us, but he also does things for us personally. So there, it's like many things in the Christian faith. There has to be the perfect balance between God did this for us and God did this for me. And you can't have the God did this for us unless you're actively involved in a community. So get actively involved in a godly community. But when you're in that community, don't forget that you, you still have to have a personal relationship with God. And you still have to know that God is doing things for you as an individual. That's the God we serve. He does things for us individually and collectively. 
And we can't forsake one for the other. We can't forsake the big things that he does collectively for the small things he does for us. But we can't also focus too much on the big things that we miss the small things. So it's a perfect balance. But we must never forget the big or the small. God does personally or God does collectively. So be involved in a group. But also don't miss the intimacy with God of being one-on-one with Him. Because the one-on-one relationship is what saves. doesn't matter what the community believes. If you don't believe, then you're not saved. So, remember that. And, yeah, I don't think I have anything else. So, get involved in a community, but also know that God does things on a personal level. And on, So, for, just for an example, God took Israel out of Egypt as a group. But there was also things that he did for individuals at that time. We don't have anything recorded. But he individually got each one out of Israel. I mean, out of Egypt. But there's also probably millions of things that he did for each individual while bringing them out of Egypt. I hope that makes sense. God does big things for us. But he also does small things that other people might not see for our lives. And we can't forsake either one for the other. We must Realize the big things he does for Christians and for our church and for our spiritual community collectively. But we must also know the things that nobody else can recognize because they're for just us. That he did for us. So yeah. Recognize the big and the little things God does for your community and for you. And yeah, I don't think I have anything else. So, still have some t-shirts. Keep your eyes open for that because there might be something else coming with that. And next week is our last episode that will be like this for a little while we will be doing not really testimony episodes but you'll see there they'll have past guests on there we have three already lined up that are going to be we haven't recorded them yet but we have three that are already going to be lined up to be on those six episodes leading up to our second birthday how about that but yeah keep your eyes open you never know what Lacador might be doing and yeah So if you're a student and you're out of school, congratulations. If you're a student and you're a graduate, congratulations. If you are still at work, push through. Keep going. And don't get bogged down. I know that's easier said than done. And yeah, so t-shirts, pop sockets, bracelets, bumper stickers, whatever you would like. Still have those. T-shirts, of course, $20. And I don't think I have anything else, so hope you guys have a great week. I love you guys. Go point to the point. Goodbye.